romantic, go-getting guys are in love with a hard-to-get girl, the wedding march is sure going to be paced by the battle hymn of the Republic. So this was my first time actually plow, waking up to snow and getting to shovel it and plow it and then run around and plane it. And it was actually like nice powdery snow. We got a lot of snow here in New England and uh, got to run around with, uh, with Brittany's dog and it's just like the coolest, the coolest thing. Do you guys have memories like that? Do you, do you guys have that experience? Uh, I'm from California, so that's uh, pretty foreign to me. I have Lake Tahoe every once in a while, but I don't. I wish I had that. I lived in New Jersey for a year, so I have lots of those memories. I have lots of ice scraping as well. Well, yeah, I lived on the East Coast my entire life, so lots of snow in it. <laughs> okay, so this is we got we got kind of every single answer in the book right here with all of this. <laughs> You said you were doing plowing? Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of plowing, how did you feel when Robert Mitchum just kind of plowed his lips in a Janet Lee? I thought it was both extremely romantic and also somewhat disturbing at the same time. I, I, I think you could look at it both ways because it was kind of like, sir, you were just in like her, um, you just talked to her son. And uh, you found yeah. out that her that her husband uh, died in the war, and here you are just you know, doing what you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, so today we're talking about holiday affair. Welcome to Cut Unknown. My name is Alan Geis. I'm Charlie McCoy, and I'm Kylie Black. This week we are joined by the sensational, the fabulous Kelly Sue, a really dear friend. Kelly, how the heck are you? Hello, I'm amazing. How are you? Doing wonderful. Kelly, I'm not going to give it away, wrote a screenplay that's a love story unlike any I've ever heard. It will surely be coming to theaters near you, or should I say streaming services near you, um, for sure sometime in the next couple of years. Like that, 100%. That movie will be made. Uh, <laughs> So we brought you on to talk about Holiday Affair and Trellin, why don't you tell us about what, what, what you would say this movie is? Well, simply it's about a young widow who is torn between a boring attorney and a romantic vagabond played by the great Robert Mitchum. Yeah, Robert Mitchum, I, I gotta tell you guys something that he is for me, someone I would cite as, I don't have like a long ongoing list of favorite actors or anything. But something about this guy, when I discovered him with Night of the Hunter, I was just like, he's one of the most interesting, coolest dudes I've ever met. Or, well, you know what I mean? And I've since seen a documentary on him. I like reading up on him. I try to watch as many of his movies as I can from all the different eras. Because this dude acted till about the day he died, which is pretty amazing. And I just want to talk about him for a sec because... This is very similar to, I had to research Cary Grant recently, and this was like, a, like the act, a lot of actors back then, it seemed like they had this life where they came from genuinely nothing, and Robert Mitchum was homeless, and he talks about how the cops put him in prison, uh, I don't know if he had committed something or what, but it cost, the, the state got paid uh more money than it took to feed him. So the prison was making a profit off of him. And so he just eventually, this is where the days you could run away from being in prison and then still go have a career in Hollywood. Like <laughs> so our paperwork would not catch up with you. So so then he, he then went to live in California. Then his family accounts that he ran away from them and then came back, I don't know how many months later and was married at 16 to Dorothy, the wife he kept for the rest of his life. And he wasn't even, he hadn't even done one single movie yet. And so like, man, that was true love right there. And uh, he would go on to just star in like up to 17 movies uh, a, a year playing a heavy. All these Westerns falling off of buildings, doing whatever, I don't know if he fell off buildings, but he would just end up being this guy that ne literally never went to acting school, but just lived this hard life where he had been homeless since he was about six. You know, his parents quite literally abandoned him. And 
went on to be one of the like the biggest movie stars of the time who was friends with Elvis friends with Marilyn Monroe and not just like friends like like close confidants like they would go to each other's houses a lot and hang out and he would play guitar with them and stuff so he just was this guy that went from being quite literally nothing to he made a lot of himself and it's just really a really inspiring story because he also uh, in the documentary talking about how he never forgot where he came from where he would be on a set and they would have like kind of mediocre or just straight up bad coffee for the crew. And he was like, I'm not gonna shoot it until you guys get the same coffee I got. And so they would <laughs> run out and get it for, for the crew. So he just seemed like a really humble guy. And he had this, this quote in the documentary, he goes, the cool thing in the documentary, he actually talks, like he was still alive when they filmed it. He goes, yeah, for me, like acting is like being tall. He's like, you just, you can't learn to be tall. You just, you just do it. And that's, that's the reputation he had where he just, he treated it like a job, but you can tell there's some, they definitely like a softer side to him that he still would not even reveal to the interview where he said he would just read the lines and just clock in and clock out. And that was it. But he, he wouldn't got into where he was and that's how he thought. I mean, his performances say so much more and that's what we're going to get into for, for this movie. And so, uh, Robert Mitchum, man, one of the coolest dudes that, that I've ever heard of. And so I just want to say a little bit on him because I, I think he's pretty spectacular what's your guys' experience with him I mean I think he's great and I think you're right in some ways he can play the phone book I think what's interesting about like what you said in terms of like this film is that arc is that they use this film as a way to see if he could do comedies because he was doing so many action films and I mean I think personally he did a great job in the Phenomenal. comedy but it just didn't financially do well yeah yeah it goes to this thing where only certain actors and at certain times be, could actually go across different, uh, I guess if you want to say genres, but for example, I learned recently how Cary Grant tried doing like a very dramatic performance in this movie, None But the Lonely Heart, and was rejected, uh, like he got an Oscar nomination, I believe his second one, yeah, and excuse me, and he uh got like box office bomb you know like people did not want to see Cary Grant kind of play this sad role they wanted happy Cary Grant you know they wanted suave Cary Grant not just dude on the street vagabond suffering trying to keep a little shop Cary Grant you know and you're right Kylie when you say Robert Mitchum it's like they're like we want like the hard as nails right we don't want Robert Mitchum hanging out with this little kid you know <laughs> like but like you said he, he, he could do it. He could do it. And he was great. And uh, I can't wait to, to get into all the details. Does anyone want to say anything else about uh, our mission? I would say, I don't know if you guys saw the trailer, but actually the marketing team was going really heavy on that. In the original theatrical trailer, they have the scene where he's like holding up the big shirt and they're like, Robert Mitchum trying to fit into a new role. And it's just like, <laughs> oh my <I> God. <laughs> yeah, it worked really good in the trailer. I thought it was funny. But also, like, Alan, my only exposure to Robert Mitchum so far has been Night of the Hunter. Yeah. So all I could think about was, like, his alternative motive, like, oh, man, like him and this kid. I'm just used to him, try, like, watching him try to murder children. Quite so literally, it, yeah. Yeah, but after five <laughs> minutes, he was. I thought he was just so good. I just, it totally slipped my mind. If, if you're listening to this, you have not seen Night of the Hunter, I would highly suggest you pause it, throw Throw yourself a Robert Mitchum double feature, Night of the Hunter, and then Holiday Affair, so you can properly <laughs> listen to this episode. And <laughs> it's actually, like you said, it's perfect because it both involves, both movies have this uh, thing where he has this close relationship to children, but very, di very different in, in the movies. So I mean, he, but he also is using children, maybe for different motives. Like he just wants to get to the wife or the fortune. But in Holiday Affair, it's much more innocent and like he's yeah. like altruistic. We, it's, I yeah. would, in this I would one, love to... giving children presents and in the other one, he's literally hunting them. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's start from the beginning. The uh, train toy transition, uh, holy smokes, that was some like modern day shit. And what I liked is that it didn't feel super cheap either. Like they really hid that cut and that feels like something we would only see done today. And I love that it was practical. There may have been like a little kind of a wipe in there, but it still was, it just felt something like so fresh and, and cool and easy to do. But you could tell whoever was behind this movie 
was, uh, or who, the many people were, they really cared about like pulling that off in, in like a good way. And, and despite this being like a vehicle for Robert Mitchum to be seen as this good guy after he got caught with pot, which we'll get into later, it's like they still, this movie was no like, just like, oh yeah, just throw it out there, put him on a stage. It's like, no, this, this has some good shit going on all around. So I was really blown away by that scene. What about you guys? Um, my favorite part about it is just because we've seen movies from this era and a lot of times movies will just use models or toys like this to actually have an establishing shot. And like, then it cuts to like a real, like a train or train station on a back lot or something. Yes. And to yes. see it actually just be a toy, like it kind of blew my mind. I was expecting like them to be on like the back of Warner Brothers, just like on a, like a little thing, just being like arriving in town. But I, because I know it's about a toy store. So I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I also feel like too, like a lot of films from this era because like the studio system was so chopped up in terms of like delegating roles that it did feel very intentional, which I liked because I don't feel like a lot of films always have, um, at least in terms of title sequences, have very intentional title sequences, but this felt like they knew what they were doing the entire time. It didn't feel like just thrown on there. Exactly, Kylie. The the from the beginning, they're letting you know, hey, we care about this movie, so like you should care too. And I think that's really important, uh, a really important thing to consider when watching something. So, I <laughs> there's just this quick throwaway line that that I really loved, uh, which is right after this, you just see like, oh, toy shop, and what's going on in this world, and you just hear this little kid sitting on Santa, hey, you didn't bring me my little brother last year, and it's just. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's so silly it's so it's so juvenile it's so, or not juvenile childish uh but then oh my goodness okay so in this book Into the Woods John York talks about the reasons for movies or stories specifically and this thing called the rehearsal reason Th this is something that like I have like kind of felt but never knew how to word it since I was a kid where like you watch somebody be cool in a movie so therefore like you become cool in real life. Like you can act, you've been under, it's, the character's been under pressure in the movie and you've kind of felt that experience. So like you can act cool under pressure. So that manager snaps his fingers at Robert Mitchum. Like, hey, hey, you know, make the sale, whatever. And the way he's just like, hey, sorry, my, my the lady here has got, got friends in high places, you know, whatever. He's like, the way he just is able to play that off. I just was like, I could do that now or a version of it anyway, you know, to, like I got cooler by watching him is, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I just, I love it, man. No, yeah, I agree. There's like a definite suaveness about his character. That's really, um, it leaks out of the movie. It's so good. Totally. It really is. Uh, uh, Kelly, was there anything like you noticed during that opening sequence? Um, I mean, I also loved the train thing. I was assuming it was just going to be same thing as you, just like, that's the beginning, but then it pans out to the toy store. And I was like, yes, <laughs> love it. Mind blown. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> totally. So the the whole thing, they buy the, the toy, uh, the uh, Janet Lee goes home, so on and so forth. And then that that little kid, man, he, the Janet Lee said, don't peek in, don't peek in. And he saw that, that toy set and you knew it was like, this is going to be a mess. This is going to be a fucking mess. That little, and <laughs> that little, that little bastard found the, the, the toy set. I must confess, I myself have gone snooping around uh, at Christmas time looking for presents and, uh, and found them. Um, have you guys had that sort of experience? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> No. Ah, Kylie, you're a good kid. I'm a. I was a rule follower, so <laughs> very boring rule follower. Um. So so we. But we see soon that after that, uh, like or like like within minutes, he finds out though it's not for him. He's like asks his mom, and she's like, "Oh, that one's for the um, store," and he's very mature about it. He's just like, "Ah." Oh, darn well it was such a kind of like old movie convention where he's like yeah okay and he goes closes the door and the camera has to go down to the door to see the lights go it's, off like yeah. it can't just, <laughs> just, it felt like that was a thing they did like okay that means he's going to sleep or, or he's upset or he's like, depressed like, like hey can we get that shot where you pan down and you turn off the lights at the door like, <laughs> um, I, also wanted, I think it's important to note though for people listening who haven't seen the film 
that what she does her job is she's a comparison shopper mm -hmm. so like before you know if you're existed you know and grew up in the age of you know online shopping before that when you can just go and like look at different prices she's going to different stores and buying the same thing pretty much and then they're gonna like go and look and see if this item that someone wanted is like which stores it's the cheapest at and then returns it to the other stores now stores just have price match guarantees right. it's like doesn't <laughs> exist anymore yeah exactly uh, no but longer a thing so that's why she's bringing toys home that aren't for her kid. Mm -hmm. uh... I I was a bit confused on like if if other people were studying the toys she was buying, like what exactly the, the purpose of it was. So I'm, I'm glad that you cleared that up. I do I did want to point out. So it, it is in this first scene that we met that we meet Carl. Uh, so all this stuff happens at, at the house. We meet Carl. He's they establish that he's been married uh, or sorry dating Janet Lee for like two years. And I would say he seemed like a pretty, like, like a good, good guy. You know, he'd be like a cool stepfather, whatever. Um, and here's what gets me. This is something straight out of Tiptoes, where at one point, or actually not one point, from one scene to the other, Kate Beckinsale is like, oh, I love, you know, Gary Oldman, you know, oh, you're so sweet. Tucks him in, into bed or into a couch, gets him a water, whatever. Uh, and then the next scene, she's like, you don't fucking tell me about your brother. Blah, 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 blah. So like, this kid, Timmy, he's like, oh yeah, Carl, like, you know, he's cool. We're going to go play catch. Like he literally says some shit like that. And then the next scene, he's like, you're not my dad, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> See, I also thought like Carl was like a really solid dude, but like the way he gave maybe one of the worst uh, proposals I've ever seen. Yeah. They're washing <laughs> dishes. He's like, how would you like to do this the rest of your life? Just this. <laughs> I was like, why would you? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> Well, it's also sort of like he, the way that he sets up their marriage is he's a lawyer and he's like, I've mm -hmm. never, specifically a divorce lawyer. He's like, I've never had to divorce a couple that liked each other a lot. There's lots of people that are in love for a short amount of time and then get divorced, but anybody that really likes each other, basically establishing that they're just friends and mm -hmm. <laughs> because they're friends, it'll be worthwhile. It'll make, be logical. Th this is like something out of sign they would talk about in Seinfeld where it's like so you've been friends with her for this long no one's ever made a move you know what you do it's been so long you've practically been dating you just go for the proposal you just you just skip <laughs> over the dating you just go straight for the proposal like you can imagine there's a conversation out there Carl was having with his buddies they were like dude that's the move that's what you got to fucking do bro <laughs> well I I think I would argue at least from my perspective that I think Carl is in love with her I just think he knows that she's not in love with him and he's willing yeah. to accept that she only likes him and live with the shadow of the ex-husband. Yeah. With something other people wouldn't do. I'm glad because I thought this movie was going to fall into the trope of making him just a real asshole. Yeah. And I was like, I was like shocked that it wasn't that. So that was nice. But let's just say that what I may have mentioned it a bit, a bit at the beginning, but what makes this movie, I think, so worth anybody's time and worth being recognized more on Christmas movie lists and such but even even not Christmas movie because I was talking with um I was talking with someone earlier that it's a movie that takes place at Christmas I wouldn't necessarily call it a Christmas story you know it's like Die Hard so it's like um uh, whatchamacallit a movie that is is a, rom a romance movie but that manages to talk about honesty talk about moving on and how people can be like what it what it is like to say what you really feel and Robert Mitchum ends up being the epitome of that where he holds nothing back and uh it, it I was literally shocked at some points of this movie like actually like like took my breath away like I can't believe he's he's saying some of the stuff and some of the stuff is happening and I just I, I love the movie for it you know yeah I mean I always see this movie as something that's more about loss than anything else and specifically totally. dealing with loss after an extensive period of time because that really is just what her character that's sort of what he like you said Robert Mitchell tells it like tells it how it is and tells what's going on he says that at the end because it truly is the entire time she's not really in love with Carl so the he's not competing against Carl he's competing against the memory of her dead husband mm-hmm Kylie Robert Mitchum is about as intuitive as you and that's right not you to him him to you <laughs> that um, that he he's able to read everybody and and he immediately calls Janet Lee out for that and even when she 
I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but when she is like, hey, I'm ready to, to do this. And he's like, no, you're still holding on. You're still, you still have them in the, in your mind or whatever. You got to totally let go. That was, I thought, super refreshing and, and impressive for a movie to, excuse me, to do something like that. I mean, because how did you guys feel? There are certain points, like specifically the night where Robert Mitchum's character comes over to her house after like helping her throughout the day, where there's the moments of, you know, Timmy coming out and her saying, this is Mr. Ennis, the man of the house, or like when Carl tries to discipline him and she says, he's not, you know, get your hands off my son. How did you guys feel about those things? Because I felt like those always make me very sad because it does feel like she's holding on to something that doesn't exist anymore. I, I agree with that totally. And then even uh, Robert Mitchum brought that up, like when he was talking to her later on, he's just like, you're still, you're still holding on to that. That's why you call Mr. Innes the man of house. He's like eight, like chill a little bit. <laughs> it almost, him saying that, it made me like think about any other movie where somebody would go, hey, you're the, he's the man of the house, you know, whatever, you know, the, the dad's going away to work and he's like, you're the man of the house, take care of your mom. And it's like, always like you said a kid that's like 10 years old it's like no 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 he's very much a boy like why why can't yeah. she be the mama of the house like it just he just completely like blew all that kind of ideology out of the water <laughs> like like no 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 they're kids and yeah. he even says that he goes he's a kid we should let him be a kid for a while like he just mm -hmm. was the most like uh, wise dude ever it was so cool yeah there's just oh kelly do you want to say something cut that out totally Oh no, you're, you're so good. I was just going to say, um, yeah, it made me kind of sad too. And I really liked in the movie that they didn't like cast the dad in any kind of way. Cause it kind of gives you like, there's like this glowing human being who's like amazing. And that's what, who she's seeing as to him. So I think that's really nice that they did that. What a good observation. You're right. Mm -hmm. That like, they n never alluded to like, he was super amazing or super bad is just kind of just the idea of him, which lets us ponder, right? Mm -hmm. uh, real quick, speaking of pondering, I couldn't help but think when they, I'm going to skip ahead a bit, when they reveal that Robert Mitchum was arrested and that somebody in the park assaulted someone else, stole the salt and pepper shakers from him. So are we to believe that the guy that Robert Mitchum gave the tie to the is nice the guy, guy. That, is the mugger guy? I think so. And also like the, he gets the salt and pepper shakers within maybe 45 seconds of like the time he gave the tie away. And that little girl on uh, roller uh, skates, like goes on the ice. She's like, Oh, here's salt sh pepper shakers. I'm like, how fast did he go to get that wrapped? Because it's like, <laughs> I, the only thing I can think of is that it was already wrapped, but at the yeah, same because time, he stole it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, <laughs> You're telling me that this guy who, I mean, if you're just mugging people on the street, you got to look a certain way. He was like, hey, little girl, come here. You see that man over there? Give him this. And she was like, okay. You know, like, I got nothing better to do. Yeah. Like, it was a little. Also, like, like, the guy was so happy. He's like, oh, this, like, made my day. This is, like, the best, like, little Christmas day ever <laughs> gift I got, this tie. And, then, like, he's just, like, goes into, like, oh, I'm going to mug a guy now. Well, it's also fucked up that, like, the way that he mugs the guy is by using a tie. So oh, it like, is? I, yeah. So that's, he like gets him, like, I tries to choke him. And he doesn't choke him, but he like tries to choke him with a tie, they say. So I'm wondering, like, there's other two things that happen. Either he's using Robert Mitchum's tie to actually like go through with the mugging, which is terrible. Or because Robert Mitchum gave him an extra tie, he could use the old tie to actually mug someone, which is why he's. <laughs> That's, oh my god. I want to see that deleted scene. I know. <laughs> it's I want to know what happened first. Did he mug the guy before Robert Mitchum gave the tie or after? Yeah. I don't know which one is worse. We need a sequel just about the mugger. Like why yeah. why is he so happy beforehand? Why is he so happy afterward? What is Was he just like so stressed? He's like, I can't have someone get me a gift and me not have anything in return. I gotta get him something. Like now. Yeah, it was him trying to balance his karma. He's like <laughs> <laughs> I already mugged a guy and this guy gave me his tie. That's like two no-nos against me. Let me at least give him the <laughs> uh, I thought that was amazing. It's also kind of a crappy gift. <laughs> this uh, salt and pepper shakers. 
Uh, you know, for all we know, back in 1949, they must have been yeah. all the rage. Maybe it was one of those things that wasn't invented until back then. And before, people were like, at the grocery store, you just bought a rock of salt and like we're carving it and like you're just sprinkling that. Like, <laughs> like, salt and pepper shakers, all the rage, hey. Uh, well, they say that it's the guy who he mugs, he's like giving it to his aunt. So it's a very aunt gift, I would say. Yeah. So it's like a very practical, like expensive and not expensive gift to get someone that like you're related to. I have to say that in the scene where Jan <laughs> Lee gives Robert Mitchum the, the tie, which I have a lot to say about that tie and just everything it represents. And it, we'll come back to the tie in a sec, but when he takes off the other tie and then ties the other one as they're walking and talking and it's all in one take, I was, that was so flawed, like like I, <laughs> to this day i have to watch a video on youtube every time i tie a tie i'm not Same even here. exaggerating like i and he just boop, 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 boop. i'm just like i keep my like just tied so i could just tighten it <laughs> like i i don't want to deal with that shit again For several years of my career before coming to school was i wore a clip-on tie like that's how yeah it, <laughs> I've never felt less of a man than watching Robert Mitchum tie, tie that tie like nothing. I was like, so oh. flawlessly. Flawlessly. Outfits back then, though, were just so complex. Like, I was watching White Christmas last week, and I don't know if you've seen that, but there's this scene in the beginning where they're, like, un undressing themselves in the dressing room and talking, and it's, like, a five to ten minute scene, and they're just constantly, there's just more clothes to take off. They've got, like, 18 <laughs> different pieces to their outfit, like, different things, holding their socks up, their shoes. They've got, like, three shirts. It's ridiculous so we're she tells him like see you can't be timmy wants you to come to dinner let's have dinner which you're like holy shit that's the most awkward thing you have which by the way i didn't find out till this morning upon re uh, reflecting on the movie in conversation with someone that the I, i'm not i'm just gonna say who it is it is Brittany's mom kate she listens to the show she's a fan of the show so kate you get a shout out on the show <laughs> she goes but did you notice that at the dinner scene, it's not the parents of Carl and it's not the parents of Janet Lee, it's the parents of the dead son. I was like, holy shit. Oh my God, that. I didn't notice what? that. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was Janet Lee's. No, it's the parents oh. of the dead son. She's continuing to keep him alive in her house. Exactly. That so made it even deeper. Oh my yeah. God, amazing. Yeah. I love that couple. They were so funny <laughs> together. They're so They're cute. I love the kind of dialogue where it's like total, it's like dad humor, right? And yeah. I grew up, uh, my dad is the epitome of dad humor. So so they're, they're so cute arguing over like, no, I'm going to bring this. No, I'm going to bring that. And then um, <laughs> I'm the waiter and she goes, okay, waiter, well, wait. Oh, it's so amazing, that, amazing. And also like, she's like comments on the number of drinks he had. He's like, oh, don't count. Why are you counting? Like, like, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I does, am I making this up? Did he say like like not counting keeps you young or something like that? Like something like that, like, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I just wanted to say real quick. I saw this movie on. I think most of us saw it on HBO Max. Uh, I, I think actually all of us, yeah. And the restoration was insane. Like I think mm -hmm. it, it can be easy to take for granted, like that this was a movie from 1949. There was not a single crack pop nothing this thing was hd as shit it was amazing and i just like credit to the restoration team man holy smoke we also um in that one scene in the park we learned uh robert mitchum's like um big motivation is to work on boats what do you guys think about his uh prospects in boat work i like that they gave him at least something interesting you know yeah. what i mean like i do feel like sometimes in rom-coms you get like this repeated like I'm, you know, there's like five jobs and it's like, they're always one that like, I'm going to be like, they're either like the artsy, like I'm journalist, journalist, artist, or writer, mm -hmm. architect, architect. Yeah. Yeah. Like, architect or, or just business, <laughs> just businessman. Yeah. We don't know what he does. He just no. wears a suit. He wears a suit. He has a briefcase. <laughs> Invest yeah. Investment banker. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Make a lot of money, <laughs> but I've never heard of anybody making boats. So I, I agree with that. Yeah. This movie is original in every which way. We love it. We love Hot Air there. So when they're at, they're at the, they're having, excuse me, Christmas dinner and Robert Mitchum just starts going off on this, on this tangent about Carl and because what prompts him to do that? Do they say, does anyone have anything to be thankful for? Or is he just about to go home? Like, why does he, why does he just start talking about Carl? 
Uh, they tell him to give a speech, and then um, he goes right after Carl, and I think he's just like, he's just shooting a shot right there in the most <laughs> sane way. That was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in a movie, and not just because of it, but because the way he did it. Because he compliments Carl and talks about like, dude, you do this, you do that. You know, you're by all means a good guy, but I'm the one that should marry her. And it's just like, <laughs> boom. And, and I love how he's just like, because we ran into each other here. And I love how he says, yeah, all these things keep bringing us together. All these forces like the train. It's like, no, 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 you bought the train, dude. You're, <laughs> you're, you're creating that narrative. You're like, we came together again because of this train. No, no, you bought it, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. But, but yeah. I don't know. I think that relationship though between him and Carl, because they're so similar in a lot of ways, but then different in the ways that they need to be. It, it, the, I think the civility of their relationship and of his Carl's relationship with Connie is sort of what grounds this. Because I think if you didn't have that, this would like the idea of her meeting Robert Mitchum and like within a week or like two weeks, they're like in love and getting married by the end. It would feel too quick. Like it, even mm-hmm. for a rom-com, it feels like a lot. It's a really short because if you think about it, they really do. Like by the time he's saying that, they've known each other two days. And yeah. He but like because everybody in the film is so like emotionally mature and civil yes. and calm and realistic about everything and practical, it like it's sort of you can understand why he fits into it. Oddly enough. And I just want to say that everybody else's performance too, of course, but it just goes to show you like if anybody back, if they were to say like, yeah, back then, you know, we just, we, we just made movies. It, it beat working. It was just, it was just a job, whatever. It's just so hard to believe that it was just a job. You know, it's like, like these, the, the amount of thought and care that went into all these details we're discussing and that clearly appealed to us just like goes to show you like these were, these were impressive things going on that not just anybody could do, you know, even if they sometimes talk about it in that way, you know, and it's just like, so cool, man. It's so impressive. And um, I loved what Kylie, what you talked about is the, the um, uh, civility of everything. And I, I guess I just want to move over to Carl's scene. We can come back to anything else, but, but when Carl uh, being as we've established a divorce lawyer he divorces him and Janet Lee in the car and he's like the case and he and she's just kind of looking at him like did you lose your mind like what are you talking about and he's just going off and she's like no no I want to marry you and he doesn't he just keeps talking and he divorces them and he lays out why that was just so original and mature because we've seen it a million times we're like hey you want to go with him hey well all right you go with him you and your rotting kid blah 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 but it's like no this dude was like just wise enough to to kind of see to to realize what was going on and it was like you you want to end up with this guy um or at least pursue going with him and oh my goodness i just freak this movie kept blowing me blowing me away every every scene yeah i i love that scene it really shows mm-hmm. you how close that they are because the truth is that like her and carl really are just like he knows her better than really anybody else knows her. He's her best friend. And he understands, like he puts his, that, you know, I think that's part of why I really do feel like he loved her because he puts his desires completely aside because he knows that what she wants is not, he can't give her. Yes. Yes. Totally. Sorry. I Get think back to the front we are, Carl. <laughs> we, we did <laughs> skip over, I think the, be- my favorite scene, the whole movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go. It's uh, Timmy uh, bringing back the train to, oh so he can pay back Robert Mitchum because he is broke as hell. And it's the saddest, most adorable thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yes. That it kid's was... such a good actor. He really is. Yeah. yeah. I thought of... at that first, we first meet him and he has, doesn't have any teeth and he's like, eh. okay, this kid's kind of <laughs> annoying. But, but he really, I think he found his way. And you're right. By the end, nobody could have just played off that scene being cute like that and when it gets broken in the elevator oh dude (laughs) and he just keeps telling everyone i just broke someone stepped up like it's not my fault you're like you're like i would not believe him i would not believe Uh, him with his whole front row of teeth missing that he just uh, broke it 
but he genuinely did. And, and what also what inconsiderate adults, she just like stepped on his toy and then just like walked away. Like oh, nobody even no. reached down. Like <laughs> no, they don't care. And he's just so the kid is just so good at being so devastated. Yeah, no. It's so sad. <laughs> devastated. I just a quick shout out. I don't have her name, but the lady that was the secretary for the for the, the toy company owner or the department store owner like her face sold it you know like she her acting without acting like her eye acting and just subtle facial expression of feeling for this kid like really helped his performance you know so that lady was awesome i I did think the manager should have like got him a new train and given him the money back just like that's how you see like how to listen the whole story it's like if you listen to that whole story how do you not just like let the kid keep the train like you're a big wig just give him money I agree. like the hundred bucks wasn't killing that guy's wallet. No, not at all. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That like he didn't keep the train; he just got the money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it just shows you that um, that the people at the top, no matter no matter what, don't care. They, they do not care. Like, did you keep no, that receipt, kid? You know, you don't have a receipt. Then I can't. I can't help you. Yeah, it's just like he hears the whole story and he's smiling. He's like, "Wow, Timmy." That was quite the story. You really showed me the spirit of Christmas. So do you have that receipt? And I looked at him like, what? <laughs> oh. uh, I, you gotta love, I'm gonna skip to the end here. You gotta love a, a movie that is able to convey what it wants to say without, it's able to, to present a scene without dialogue and you just get to, to visually experience it. And showing that train we just get the side view of the train, the side profile of all these different people partying. It's New Year's. Oh, it's so um, good. And then Robert, like Janet Lee, like running across the train, looking for him. And then they get their own little train car, little window. And he just, all it took was the reactions. We don't need to hear, oh, I knew you'd make the right choice. No, 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 we don't need that shit. We just see him, embrace him. Camera moves up, toy transition again, book and baby. <laughs> And then magical movie. Like it was just so way to stick the landing. Mm-hmm. Like way to stick the landing. I thought it was incredible. And yeah. This movie, it ends perfectly. It starts perfectly. There was one scene I wanted to talk about that we didn't get to. I, I just thought of another one. So yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Kylie. And then yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's a scene way in the beginning where we established that this father, her ex-husband has died in the war. and we this is like she's coming home from her first day at work and having this get together with her son and she calls him Mr. Ennis so we get the idea that like she and he's the man of the house so it sort of sets this up and then he asks her does it hurt mommy does it hurt to die which is just such a tragic question to hear (laughs) it caught me completely off guard I'm like where I had to rewind that scene I'm not kidding three (laughs) times and be like did he really just say that (laughs) in a weird way it's such I think it's just such a good way to establish that because it doesn't like you get the message without it being blatantly obvious and it does feel like a question Mm -hmm. a kid would ask yeah specifically a kid who lost their father yeah yes yeah not he's accepting that he died he's just like did he suffer like does it hurt like oh heartbreaking real quick i wanted to just bring up the idea of i thought when steve was like i'm gonna take you to a place with like the best food so on so forth first of all you think you're gonna end up at a restaurant they don't okay that's cute and then i thought it was a zoo which I'm not, I don't know. I'm not saying it's better or worse, but then it's Central Park and they just have a seal there. Like, was anyone else, like, was that just a thing they did back <laughs> then? Like, there's a zoo in Central Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They're in the zoo. They're, they are at the zoo, but they're at, there's a zoo inside of the park so that they're like the zoo in the park. Mm-hmm. Got Isn't it. Is there a zoo in Madagascar, that Central Park? is like, oh, okay. And yes. that gets you <laughs> the idea of it. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. I think I saw the penguins in this one too. <laughs> uh, Kelly, do you have any other scenes you want to talk about before we got into a little bit of the trivia in this movie? Ooh. Um, first, I do want to say, sorry, I haven't been talking much. This My internet is really terrible. Oh, and it keeps Kelly. cutting out. I'm so okay. sorry. Loving this conversation, the parts <laughs> that I am hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I don't think so right now. We can get into trivia. I'm very excited. 
Cool. So, uh, Kylie Tron, you guys want to hit us with some of these uh, facts here? See, uh, sure. I'll go. We'll trade off. Let's see. According to Robert Osborne of Turner Classic Movies, RKO had Howard Hughes had Mitchum take the part to repair his image after his arrest for marijuana possession. So I know, Alan, you know a lot about that. You want to talk about that? So I'm, <clears throat> I, I am a little dis, uh, disconnected from, from this particular issue, but apparently Robert Mitchum was a guy that did not hide the fact that he loved playing music and smoking grass. Like that was <laughs> his, his, for his hard exterior shell. That's the persona that he would say he was. He was like, I'm not the sensitive guy and whatever, whatever that you guys think I am. He's like, I'm a guy that just does movies. It's just a job. And I just want to smoke weed and party and, and, and play guitar. And, and so <laughs> he was very much in, into the doobies and he I guess got caught. And this was seen as a horrific act and uh i mean just imagine this was back then where like like nobody right now is like oh johnny depp you're an alcoholic let's give you a movie to fix your career you know it's like oh nobody worked with johnny depp anymore bye and this was like a studio going oh we got to give him a whole new movie to repair his image like how times have changed you know and so you know this uh, reminded me a weird way of like again i'm this is not related to this movie actually but it's just another christmas movie ish that uh has a similar take so there's this film i'm sure most people have seen the apartment by this point um but fred mcmurray before doing the apartment was known for doing like disney films so he was considered a child's actor and uh... when they made the film uh he's his character a lot of parents apparently took um their children to see it oh no apartment? that because fred mcmurray was in it and they considered a children's movie and he said that he um, went to Disney once shortly after making the movie with his family. Oh. And some woman started attacking him because of how terrible his character was in the movie. So it just shows and, this is this. Oh and Robert, how much back then when you didn't have things to really see actors as people, how much an image in a film and how much how they marketed you really did matter. So I mean, I think it really did matter back then. They did like people base their impressions of people on how the studios marketed them. So I'm I'm just getting this news here. I guess an influx of uh, single moms approached Robert Mitchum right after this movie, hoping they could uh, they could have a new dad in their lives. Right. <laughs> so in continuing with the trivia janet lee uh was only 14 years older than the actor who played her son now i will say that i think timmy the actor who plays Timmy is eight when they film this i think he's intended to be six i also feel like they're trying to pass lee off as being older than she actually is so i mean even but even if she's 22 and he's six that would make her 16 mm -hmm. Adam, which I feel like is pretty realistic for this time period. But mm -hmm. that's a fun fact. She was only 22 when they made the movie. Mm -hmm. I, uh, another fun trivia is uh, Lee wrote in her biography um, that she remembered when Mitchum kissed her because she said it was not a movie kiss. It was an actual kiss, which is, was that like not, was I, I was like, is that scripted? Like that moment or like? She this looks really caught off guard, but I guess that's yeah. the character as well, but. The moment was scripted, but instead of giving her like a movie kiss, he like actually, like a peck. Yeah, like that. You know they do it with closed mouth. Yeah. He gave her an open mouth kiss. Yeah, his he went pretty wide. You could tell. Like, yeah. hey, this might be my only, this might be my only shot. Let's go. But again, from I don't know if you had affairs, but he had the same wife that he met when he was not famous, and and he was married to her his whole life. So. Well, actors now do that. I mean, that's just the code. I mean, mm -hmm. it was just one kiss. It wasn't a, I mean, I, I think just back then they were so used to the peck or the closed mouth that she just wasn't, she didn't seem to have a problem with it, apparently. Oh, no, she, oh. <laughs> <laughs> remembers it shocking her because she wasn't expecting it. And he got what he, I mean, her reaction's genuine and it worked. So he got exactly what he intended on doing. It's for, from a guy that sounds like the definition of, of practical, right? He's like, we just don't think about it too much. Just do it. 
he probably was like, I'm not going to tell anyone about this. I'm just going to do it. I'm just, uh, how would, how would I kiss a woman like this? Boom. You know, <laughs> how do you think I got married? I saw her on the street. I went up to her. I kissed her like that. Boom. We're married. Done. <laughs> um, what, uh, what else you guys got for us? So this is another, um, some fun facts about the film. So Howard Hughes produced the film and he was very involved in Janet Lee's uh, play part um, life. Apparently um, he became obsessed with a small scar above her lip. I wouldn't even have known. I sold yeah. that. I don't know what yeah. he's talking about. A remnant from chickenpox, and he ordered the studio makeup department to try to cover it. But the more heavy the makeup was, the more obvious it became. So he eventually just gave up. He was also hired a private eye to follow Lee in her personal time and then oh. tried to convince her that her boyfriend was the one who hired oh that private eye. But obviously she figured out from how crazy Hughes is that that was bullshit and he did it this guy's like what? mr magoo Insane. he's just sloppy oh, falling all over the place <laughs> kylie i have a question for you did yeah. anybody die while making this movie no okay well that's good we like thank to hear god you. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh wait also i think this is the first there's like no animal cruelty in this movie oh my god yeah. Because every yeah. other movie we've done, there's some form of animal cruelty or some something like that. Really? Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, Kelly. Like we don't do it on purpose by any means, yeah. but like there's like <laughs> these trends in the movies we've done. And wait, what about tiptoes? Was there something in tiptoes? I don't think there was. I mean there was there's... people, but I was about to say with dwarves, but yeah, that's not yeah, just there was no animals. Animal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and in fact, this movie was almost like a little redemption because of the uh, Rob Mitchum just had a good good bond with the, with the seals, and he liked feeding them and stuff. So that was, <laughs> yes. was like, oh, that's nice. That's the cool. They're like reacting to his the lines. Oh, the squirrel! Oh yeah. my! I wish we could have seen that scene. Like, please, can we see that scene? Can we see that deleted scene <laughs> where he fits down to like feed it some more? Yeah, I would have oh. loved like a like a Rashomon kind of like you know shows the crook shows like the, <laughs> him like just feeding the squirrel, petting the squirrel. I like that he describes the squirrel as an orphan. Like, how do you know the squirrel's an orphan? Like, it's like he's like all, he's all I got. I've never seen a family of squirrels like just like really they're all kind of on their own. Uh, so we have a couple of over their heads reviews. I actually, wow, yeah, there's quite a bit of them. I, they're long yeah yeah it's you too, guys yeah. found these i i i had no input i would love it if uh yeah if, whichever ones you guys wanted to read off here they look pretty interesting see i might just i want to take like an excerpt i'll, I'll do okay. the first one but let's see what could i cut out um okay i'll just start reading aren't christmas movies supposed to make you feel good especially if it's christmas romance if you agree with me don't rent holiday affair as much as I love hunky Robert Mitchum, I wasn't rooting for him one bit during this love triangle. That speaks volumes, especially since he was up against Wendell Corey, whom I normally cannot stand. Wendell Corey was actually the nice guy, the guy who deserved to get the girl, and the guy who clearly never stood a chance as soon as Bob entered the picture. This guy's right clearly there. like a depressed lawyer. Wow. Like he, he's like, he's like, he had a good job. Hey, this guy, he did everything he was supposed to. He deserves to be loved. He's clearly was, in love with whatever female friend he has. And yeah. he's oh projecting his resentment yeah. onto the film. That was from <laughs> Hot Toasty Rag, who gave it a two out of 10. Damn. <laughs> um, Kyle, Al, do you, you want to? Oh, go ahead. Who posted this other one? Uh, I, did. I did both. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. Is there? Yeah. Who? Anyone want to read that one? It's all you, Kylie. You can read it if you want. I okay. Uh, okay. I got it. I got it. Well, after watching 1949's Holiday Affair, I'm convinced of just one thing. Robert Mitchum was clearly not suited for rom-coms. No way. Believe me. Mitchum was utterly wasted here playing a Romeo type to Janet Lee's Juliet. In my opinion, there are only three genres of, genres of film where Robert Mitchum's charm and screen charisma really stand out. And those genres are Westerns, film noir, and war films. So cast this rugged dude in this fluffy, dead-end dud of a rom-com was the biggest mistake that this film's producers could have ever made. Another big strike against Holiday Affair was the unwelcome attention and screen time that was given to Janet Lee's character. I, I sure got sick and tired of seeing her sweetest cherry pie single mother stick real fast. I seriously think that we could 
have done with uh done with a lot less of Lee and maybe a lot more of Mitchum. What the fuck is this? I, I was I, yeah, I'm still going on, but Mitchum is taking a fool of himself, playing a menial store clerk at Crowley's department store, plugging toys to gullible kids. Anyway, even though Holiday Affairs story was set in NYC during the festive Yuletide season, it certainly didn't succeed in putting this dissatisfied viewer into the Christmas spirit. No way, not even for a minute. Bah humbug. At least he kept to the humbug. Oh my God. You guys know the scene in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back where they have the addresses of people that talk shit on them? Like, I want to <laughs> yeah. like, I want to get the IMDb <laughs> records of this person to show up at their house and just give them a slap across the face and be like... It's, it's crazy to say that Lee should not have been in the movie more because she's literally the yeah. linchpin that is the two <laughs> parties are going for. Like, she, if anyone should be in it more, it should be her. Like, that's insane. She's so, literally the protagonist. The film yeah. is her. <laughs> relationship with her dead ex-husband that's the movie this guy literally wants no janet lee and he wants robert mitchell not be at the toy store with the kids so he just wants him sitting at the park uh potentially (laughs) mugging people and talking to seals and talking to seals and squirrels that's that's the movie this person just pitched he wants no white he just wants to go back to the other one yeah okay well they're there buster go watch them like also, why would you relegate a guy just to three genres of film? It's, they're, they're all like yeah. testosterone, testosterone-driven like genres. Right. So yeah, that's wild. As someone who like, this was, I think, my first time watching Robert Mitchum in a role. And like, mm-hmm. I think he was amazing in this rom-com. Like, what's wrong with this I, review? I, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, even, that's the thing. This guy was so talented, man. Even... Like he could be tough and he could be funny and like you just fell for his charm. Like I'm I'm not even kidding. Like when he would talk and give his long monologues, I kind of would like zone out. Like not because I was bored, but because I was just like kind of would go under a trance. You know, like he was just such a smooth dude. Mm-hmm. Um, love him. We have some final questions here, and one of the first one is, what would you double feature this with? I what uh did we talk about this earlier in the show or was was this with someone you said, else we, you, you said, said night of the hunter yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i'm serious about that also like i'm not even i'm not even kidding i would watch this with night of the hunter boom I, i'm gonna go with rushmore just because they're both very similar as in you got two men fighting for a woman who can't get over the fact that or of her the idea of her dead husband well it's like perfect in that sense yeah that weirdly is a great pairing. Actually. I know. You have to think about it for two seconds, but yeah, Carolyn's right. That was a good connection there. I'm going to put it with the movie I think I originally saw with Back to Back, um, The Apartment. Okay. Because mm. I think they're both sort of dramatic films about sort of, I guess Apartments aren't really about loss, but it's about um, both dramatic, heart-wrenching films that take place at Christmas, so. True. And about being, if only people said what was on their minds more, right? right. And so I'm told. Totally right. I'm just going to say, is a perfect movie. There's no flaw with that movie. It's that perfect. Means, I agree with you. That is like, it yeah. is a perfect movie in every way. There's nothing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like Fred McMurray, you know, I really like <laughs> Disney movies. And all of a sudden he's this bad guy. I don't, I don't want to see him as a bad guy. I want to. <laughs> just don't start throwing things at him when you're at Disneyland. Okay. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> he'd like to spend some time with his kids <laughs> oh geez um i'm just gonna go classic and say it's a wonderful life just because yeah. it is a movie Aww. my family watches like every year and like Aww. i want to add this movie to this like annual thing now oh so are you gonna you're gonna show it to them then kelly yeah let's do it yes <laughs> well, okay it keep us really updated funny is that um, they TCM compares this to A Wonderful Life because they're both RKO pictures. Uh-huh. They're three years apart and they were both financial flops that have gained momentum off oh. TV earrings over the years. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so that's cool that you picked that. <laughs> it's, it, on that note, it's so crazy to think that It's a Wonderful Life came out and people were like, nah, we don't want this. And, like, and then now it's like, oh, it's a wonderful life. Like, you know, you, we have to watch it on Christmas. Like, wow. Well, this movie, people didn't like it too. It lost what what would be the equivalent now is $3 million at the box office. Which like, wow. like the movie was probably made for $3 million, So it, like, it's not, look, it does that does not sound good, you know? 
it was yeah it was not well received apparently by <laughs> audiences which is crazy to me because I feel like it would be very relevant in the 40s considering how many women probably lost their husbands in the war after the war yeah that's yeah. true does anyone so the next oh yeah oh, go, ahead. go ahead I was gonna say the next question uh what do you guys think is next for the couple does it last do they move to California what happens I would say given that maybe perhaps Robert Mitchum's brutal honesty will sometimes uh, stir some stir the pot a little bit but they'll be better for it so I think I think they make it through to till they that they're going to be happily ever after in California in California okay I agree yeah I think I, I, I think I also agree Kelly yeah, I mean, 100% same here. <laughs> yeah, okay. Dope. Love it. One of you guys, then, yeah, you wrote, who would you cast in as the three leads? So we're talking Mitchum, Carl, and uh, Janet Lee as uh, in a modern remake, which I, I think more people would watch this if it was remade so or be exposed to this type of story. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all for it, yeah. But I don't know who I would cast. I don't know off the top of my head. I, I got know. two, but I don't know who to cast for Carl. I got, I guess, for Janet Lee, just go Margot Robbie, Mitchum, Oscar Isaac, and I don't know who to do for Carl. <laughs> Margot Robbie's a good for her. Oh, I like the Oscar Isaac as Mitchum. Oh, baby. I think he has, he could do that. <laughs> I, what if? He's a little bit older. I, feel I know like. he's Is he a little older? I thought they were both like mid 30s. They are, he's, but I, I you, you know, you've upped Oscar Isaac and Margaret Robert already older than the original. That's so, true. I know, I know this is really old, but just bear with me here. Why don't we have Ed Harris as Carl? He's, he's really old. <laughs> I was like 38, 40. When I said older, I'd say like a few. <laughs> I just, I love Ed Harris, man. I want to see him in more things. Um <laughs> I don't, who is Carl? Who's Carl? Kelly, do you have an idea? Um, I honestly see this becoming a musical in the future versus like a movie, just because I, I feel like the characters are so like forward in their thinking. And I think that would be amazing music. <laughs> so ah. some kind of musical in the future would be great. I don't know who I'd cast though, but I'm, I'm imagining more of a musical. I'd have to really think about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll we'll come back. Yeah. We'll come back. Uh, but I love I love that thinking, Kelly. Uh, <laughs> and of course, we if if there is any doubt that we recommend this, we most certainly do. I would urge anybody to check this out. Not over its wonderful life, but as Kelly said, paired with it, I think it makes uh, a nice. But it, interestingly enough, it's not necessarily about Christmas. It's just a movie that takes place at Christmas. I would argue. Um, well, so, I mean, a Wonderful Life isn't about Christmas either. It's about learning to love mm-hmm. in your life and appreciate mm-hmm. the people in your life no no christmas movies really I, about christmas. i was about to say is there any christmas movie <laughs> that's <laughs> kylie sometimes i hate it when you're right <laughs> uh no you're right you just kind of blew my mind with that one you're right then it is a christmas movie watch it with yeah me. I would, I, I would say it's a Christmas movie. I would put it personally. Would. Love, it's a wonderful life. Well, That's just at, my at, can I just say this? I for can't a do that. Controversial. I, I, I have a controversial like a, a like comment to what you you just said, Kylie, that there is such thing as a Christmas movie and a movie that deals quite literally with the mechanisms and traditions of Christmas. Like I just rewatched it for the first time in many 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 years. Uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I would argue that is like a Christmas Christmas mm-hmm. movie. Or like National Lampoon or like Elf. Like those are all- Yes, like, yeah. Elf. Oh, yeah. I love Elf. <laughs> That's yeah. a good movie. Yeah. James Bond is so good in that movie. He's great. <laughs> Apparently he was like that on set, I, I read. Because he didn't like, he just like, what the fuck is this? He's running around in Elf costume. <laughs> Dude, and then he I, watched I, the movie. He's like, oh, I finally get it. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. He was just like, before I do this yeah. next take, I need a whiskey. Like, come here. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think then that's that's a wrap, but oh my goodness, I'm so glad we got to see this movie. And uh, do we wanna do we wanna talk about like just say the title for Trellin? Do you wanna say the title for ne- for next 
next week's movie next week's movie is i can't remember what it's called i think is it the day of the dolphin is that what it's called i, I believe it's the day of the dolphin the day of the dolphin george c scott uh teaches dolphins uh, to talk and uh commit like uh just do anything and he gets them somehow to try to assassinate the president that's it's, the it's manchurian candidate with a dolphin, dolphin. dolphin. <laughs> directed by mike nichols right but do they do they shoot lasers in their head or something like that is that what it is on the poster it looks like there's something attached to it yeah it looks so yeah. so much for our uh we were gonna, gonna go for a, a spree of non-animal cruelty movies and we're just jumping right back <laughs> into it so no this time they're dealing the cruelty they're the ones shooting the president. <laughs> I know, but like oh we're God. actually training the dolphins and stuff. Like yeah. I'm sure, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness. We really are the Wes Anderson of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how we're gonna start promoting ourselves. The Wes Anderson of podcasts. Yes. Um, all right, guys. Well, uh, I hope everybody listening and everybody not listening has a happy holidays. Uh, love your family. Tell everybody how you really feel like Robert Mitchum and uh, <laughs> stay, stay safe out there. Bye. Bye. Uh, <laughs> Bye. <laughs>